Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show. Far and away the most talked about thing on earth right now with the word world in the name. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your Gary Lineker tonight. And with me in the studio is a man who combines the main characteristics of all the World Cup pundits. The gravitas of Lee Dixon, the distracted air of Emmanuel Adebayor, the boring voice of Alan Shearer, the icy stare of Roy Keane, the loose grip on the situation of John Watson, the incomprehensible mumbling of Alan Hansen, and the inexplicable but very obvious hatred for his job of Mark Lawrenson. It's Tony Kerr. That's pretty accurate, actually, to be fair. I've worked on my... Each element of the game has been... Of my game, I should say. Has been worked on and crafted. Doesn't come easy, this. I said the icy stare of Roy Keane, and all through throughout me saying that, you were just giving me that stare as you waited to see where it was going. Just slowly... Don't I might go. need to take my dog for a walk now to calm down. <laughs> Don't go too far, Bayfield, is what your eyes were saying there. <laughs> that was one of your better intros, actually, as well. Thanks very say. much. It's good. You've raised your game in World Cup month. So, well done. Out of ten? Eight. Wow. So we're all the others, then? There's kind of anywhere between a four and probably a six. <laughs> a four? <laughs> That's some good efforts in there. I mean, you're, really, you're, you're growing in confidence, I feel. Well, it's only taken 222 episodes to, hit eight. to get to an eight. Well, you know, don't rush. How's it going this week, Tone? It's going very well, thanks. Are you excited? How excited are you for the World Cup? Well, impossibly excited, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, I think I'm about to burst, actually. Yeah, I'm yeah. so excited. Three days to go as we're recording this. Just very excited. Nothing makes me feel more like a little boy than the World Cup. You know, today I, I pinned my wall chart on my wall. <laughs> I'm buzzing. Have you, have you done your fancy team yet? I actually haven't, yeah, I should have done yeah. that today. It's next. It is like a second... A lot of things are like second jobs, really, aren't they? I, suppose. <laughs> I say that quite a lot. But none more so than the World Cup, because you've got an almost impossible amount of football to watch. You know, as many as four games in a day uh, on Saturday, which will take up the best part of, the, you know, that accumulation of hours, well, the four matches. Around nine hours, isn't it? Approximately football. so, yeah, good math. Uh, but yeah, then you've got your fancy teams, you see, like, your brackets, if you like... What, betting? The sweepstake, the betting, do your research. It's a bloody nightmare. Have you done a sweepstake at work yet? Yes. Who did you get? The Netherlands. That's not bad. Well, it could be worse. I mean, they're not going to win it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it couldn't really be but worse. But at then. least they will, you know, hopefully I'll retain an interest in the sweepstake at least some way into the competition. Well, you, I mean, so you, don't they, be, you don't want to be out after two games. There's a decent possibility that they won't get through that group with Spain and Chile. But yeah, it could definitely be worse. You could have got, you know, Greece. Yeah. I haven't done one at work yet mm. because it's falling to me to organise it at work. <laughs> uh, so, so it hasn't really happened yet. But now that I'm this excited, um, that's a good excuse to do something that isn't work at work tomorrow. So maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I'll set about organising that. But yeah, we went we went for a meal last night, didn't we? Me, you, a 
couple of other mates just talked about the World Cup the whole time, spread yeah. out the wall chart over the table. I think the staff were quite confused as to what was going on. <laughs> so they came to take our order and we had almost like a military planning meeting as we, we were did have a pouring of over the stats and the supplements. No, it was good. It was like a dodgy kind of Sunday morning Sky Sports, like cheap set panel kind of discussion program. I did feel like there should have been cameras there because we were in a booth as well. In that restaurant, I've never been in a booth before. And they sort of showed us into the booth and we laid out all our literature and then just started talking about the World Cup and I was just expecting at any moment, you know, uh, Ian Payne to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to chime in and, and start chairing the discussion. It was like uh, it was like Jimmy Hill's Sunday supplement with less Jimmy Hill and less croissants, <laughs> yeah. and less fake croissants. Well, it was a Chinese restaurant, wasn't it? So there was a lot of, a lot of noodles. I mean, Guernsey doesn't have a Brazilian barbecue joint yet, so we couldn't have any of that. So yeah, we had to go Chinese. Which <laughs> because that was the closest, <laughs> that was the, the closest, closest we thing. could find. We could find. I was tucking into my sea spice aubergine. <laughs> <laughs> Carnival. Yeah. <laughs> Very appropriate. <laughs> I promise we're not going to just talk about the World Cup tonight because this is at least ostensibly a show about cricket. Uh, and there is quite a lot of cricket to talk about because England's test series against Sri Lanka starts on the same day that the World Cup starts. That's a fantastic piece of scheduling, that. <laughs> you know, the eyes of the world will be on Lords uh, for that first test against Sri Lanka. Although saying that, you know, maybe there'll be a little bit more interest than last time. At least this should be quite an entertaining test, quite an entertaining series. Four years ago, England were playing Bangladesh. I don't think there's ever been a more forgettable test series. Um, but yeah, we'll be delivering our spectacular preview of that Sri Lanka series. Didn't Bapara get a century in that? Uh, no, that was the year before. Was it? I Who honestly was couldn't tell you anything that no, happened. I was trying to, I was trying to remember, but I can't. Uh, Cook was out of form because then he went into that. <laughs> Cook was out for four. <laughs> That's a good memory. <laughs> he, Cook went into that Pakistan series after that, and he continued his poor form. That's about the only thing I can tell you from that. <laughs> Reaching back into my memory. Let's have a look. Going all the way back four years ago, Cameron had just come to power. <laughs> Coalition Britain had just started. David Laws had just been kicked out on his ear after an expensive scandal. Here we go. Let's see what happened. England won. I know England won. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trotty got 226, if you remember that. Oh, I vaguely recall that, actually. Uh, and then Finn was taking wickets. Swan was taking wickets. It's a bit troubling, isn't it, that when, when you can't remember something that happened four years ago. I mean, four years isn't that long ago. You saw, uh, I was talking to you about this, Luke Shaw... England left back. Yeah. I was in an interview with him on uh, BBC Sport this week. He's 18 years old and they asked him for his first World Cup memory. Uh, and he said it was Frank Lampard's goal being disallowed <laughs> at World Cup 2010. And to begin with, I was like, oh, Jesus, that makes me feel old. Because you know, he's obviously a lot younger than me. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm so old that that's his first World Cup memory. Actually, he's just an idiot. Yeah. Because he'd have been 14 at that World Cup. He doesn't remember anything before that at that World Cup and he doesn't remember the World Cup when he was 10 what's he talking about yeah he needs he needs to go back to school I think <laughs> like I say I do promise that we won't just be talking about the World Cup tonight there might be quite a few uh, quite a few tangents about it uh, but we'll be talking about the test series on tonight's show which is as I've already said episode 222 all the twos 222 it's double Nelson tone so we've got to be careful I guess that this isn't our last show that we don't get out on this one. What we should do is we should find players who scored the number of runs as our episode number in the innings and mention them 
Right. That's what I'm going to do now, very quickly. All right. Hang on. This could be a new thing. Okay. <laughs> there have been five knocks at 2-2-2. In test history. In test cricket. Can you name them? No. <laughs> I can't name any of them. Come on, mate. Tendulkar? But you're supposed to be... You're just naming batsmen. <laughs> yeah. Lara, uh, Bradman, Hobbs. No. No. Uh, Sangakara versus Bangladesh in Kandy. 2007. This is really boring. Yeah. This is I'll just give it, okay, I'll just get Jack Rudolph, Sagakara, Viswanath, if that's how you pronounce oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Astle and Rahul Dravid. Was Astle against England in 2002? Christchurch. I remember that. That is good. That's not bad. Thanks. Yeah, well done. Oh, you're not just, you know, you're not just a gob on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. We'll wait till next week, mate. There's been loads of players have scored two, two, three. So we'll wait till the next episode, and I'll fill you in. I can't wait. This is probably the most boring new new segment we've ever, we've ever introduced to the show. But uh, I'm sure the listeners can't wait to hear who scored two, two, three next week. England. This is the part of the show where we talk about England now. Tony, are you listening? Because it doesn't look like you're listening. I'm listening. Uh, England's international summer clicks into high gear on Thursday when the first test of a two-test series against Sri Lanka gets underway at Lourdes. It's England's first test match for five months. Uh, Their first since the fifth and final test in that series against Australia, which they lost 5-0. I don't know if you heard about that, Tone. Cool wind of it. Now, last week we talked about the squad that they've picked, and I think we both came to the conclusion that, you know, more or less, it's a pretty decent-looking squad, not too, too far away from the sort of side that we want to see, but with some reservations. But despite that conclusion, I think it is worth reflecting on just how much uh, the team has changed in the last few months. I mean, since the squad that arrived in Australia, you know, the number of big names that were in that squad that aren't in this squad... You know, for a variety of reasons, there's no Kevin Peterson, there's no Graham Swan, there's no Jonathan Trott. And each one of those is a monumental loss to this team. So, you know, it is a very different looking side and there's no getting away from the fact that it's a much weaker looking side. Speaking of Peterson, he this week has come out and said that he's relieved not to be in the England team anymore because he felt the dressing room was a poor environment. Uh, he's, he's got a new column in the Telegraph tone. And I had a read of that today. It's quite interesting he he's not a he's not a humble man kevin peterson that's the very much the impression i got justifiably so in many respects but he was talking about people criticizing him for the way he played and he references mumbai knock and he said just uh, just as an aside which is considered by most people to be the greatest knock scored by a foreigner in india <laughs> just not afraid to to make those sorts of claims and you know fair fair enough it probably is but it was just yeah but you could have phrased it slightly differently you could have said like which I'm quite proud of. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, maybe the knock I'm most proud of. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, it was an interesting column. But yeah, he's, he said that um, he's relieved not to be in the team anymore. Now, whether that's just him putting a, a front on or whether that's his real feelings, I don't know. But that's what he said. What's your feeling on the Peterson situation now? Still rumbling on? Many people seem to be of the view that it's time now for England fans to move on. Do you share that view? Should we stop talking about Kevin, Tone? I think so. Well, for at least for the time being, it's a bit pointless, isn't it, to talk about it at the moment because the test series gets underway in a couple of days. He's got a new, yeah, a new column days before the start. He's tweeting constantly. Clearly, he's really bitter about it because he wouldn't be tweeting about oh, KP for England and all this stuff. Uh, well, it, well, which is a shame, but he sh- he should also let it drop, uh, and we should let it drop too for a bit. 
Because he's not really played much county cricket. So we haven't actually seen him play to suggest that he should be in the team. Well, he ju- he's just come back yeah, to exactly. county cricket after his IPL stint. Uh, so if he has a brilliant month and you know, scores a bag full of runs, then you know maybe bring it up again before the Indus series. But yeah, let's let's not mention him again. Okay. This is stifle the debate. Are you banning me from talking yeah. about it? Can you bleep him out, please? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I actually disagree with you a bit. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't want to to bore people, to bore the listeners by harping on about it all the time. But a number of people seem to be keen that everyone moves on from this now. None more keen than Paul Downton and Giles <laughs> Clark. And obviously, Downton gave that interview, uh, did that interview with Agnew the other day on Test Match Special, which was an extraordinary interview. <laughs> Um, and made a lot of ex- extraordinary statements. And Giles Clark gave an interview recently where he said something to the effect of, I think we all need to move on now. England fans need to move on. To me, that is an astonishing line to take because if you're Giles Clark or Paul Downton, you don't get to decide when it's time to move on. If you're going to get rid of England's best batsman and not provide an explanation, <laughs> then you've got to expect people to give you a hard time about it. And the fact that they seem to have been unprepared for the scale of the response and the scale of the outcry from the public is quite revealing I think about the the approach that that those men take that the ECB take to running the game and the, the arguably the contempt that they hold for the public or certainly the the, the lack of uh, concern for them and I'm afraid to say that if England don't have a good summer particularly if they don't score enough runs then it's a very worthwhile question why is Peterson not in the team and yeah I don't want to keep harping on about it because I don't want to bore people but the biggest weapon that Giles Clark and and co have got is boredom if people get bored of it then they've won essentially haven't they i mean they shouldn't be allowed to get away with this what are you proposing you do (laughs) i'm proposing (laughs) that i fly to london i storm into their offices and i grab giles clark by his big fat head and i say listen man (laughs) well i know i agree yeah yeah we shouldn't let them get away with it but equally you know, there's, we can't. No one can contribute anything fresh to this debate now. It's kind of it's, it's the the arguments have been floated. It's like the the Scottish referendum. I'm bored of that. Now. You know, like it's just <laughs> that hasn't even happened yet. Get on and have the vote next. Yeah, we've, we've heard all the arguments already, and we're just hearing them recycled. So essentially, now all we have to do is kind of suck it and see if England have a rubbish series against Sri Lanka and Peterson scores, you know, 400, 500 runs in June. Then we have the de- yeah. Then the debate comes out again, I think, and you say, yeah, definitely, Peterson needs to be in the team. But if the opposite happens, then we probably forget about it for a little while. Well, that's probably true. And if we can have a great summer and beat Sri Lanka and beat India, then you can say, well, maybe this decision was vindicated. But we don't know yet. And I think, given that England haven't played a Test match yet without KP, for the management to be saying, oh, everyone just needs to move on from this now, is a bit ridiculous to me. I mean. It, it's a very justif- justified question to ask, where is Peterson in this squad? And yeah, okay, it, it might be getting a bit boring. That's not the point, really. The fact that they have dropped him, just because it happened a few months ago, doesn't make it any less damaging to the England team. Yeah, as we alluded to in the... Um, by alluded to, I mean, as we mentioned in the intro, uh, you know, cricket's going to have a hard enough time getting any attention in the next few weeks anyway. So, uh, you know, without Peterson... And they're there immediately on the back foot. So whether the listeners like it or not, I'm going to keep talking about this uh, throughout the summer. But anyway, looking <laughs> looking at the, the squad that they have picked and looking at everything going into this first test of the summer, are you looking forward to the series? Are you excited to see this new England side? Is it, is it, you know, are you excited about the, the revolution, about the new era? Yeah, I suppose... <laughs> you sound really excited. I suppose that it's like... 
It's like kind of on Christmas Eve being excited about dry January. That's probably the best comparison I can make. I don't know, like, you know, in a way it's gonna be it's gonna be good for all of us. Uh yeah, good for good for the, the mind, the body and the soul. Uh but you know, there's a lot of fun to be had before that. Right. So let's not get ahead You're of us. Talking about the football. The World Cup is Christmas in that analogy. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not it's not a very good analogy in some ways because they're happening at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like being uh it's like going to bed on Christmas Eve excited for sunrise with Eamon Holmes on Sky News <laughs> isn't it really it's that you've missed the point right? <laughs> if you're excited about this series <laughs> you've got like your priorities are wrong I think yeah okay I take your point but leaving the football aside if we can oh okay difficult. so in isolation yeah yes I would be excited about the series of course I'll be watching it on Thursday and all day on Friday for sure yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's a lot, you know, there, there's definitely stuff to be excited about. You know, it's it's exciting to see new players, new possibilities, uh, you know, players who now have a great opportunity. And, yeah, again, it's, I think it should be quite a feisty series, rightly or wrongly. Uh, you know, a little bit of kind of chat got stoked up in the one-day series. So that, you know, that should carry through. It should be competitive. Yeah, a lot of, uh, lot of anger in both camps around the Senanayaka uh, bowling action. Yeah, as you say, there are new faces. There's very possibly going to be three new caps for England in this test, plus Gary Balance, who's played one game, which in a way is really exciting, but it's also a little bit alarming, I think, if you're an England fan. It's it's a bit problematic that there could very well be four out of 11 players who have one cap between them. And that's particularly true in the batting, because the top six is very likely going to be Cook, Robson, Bell, Root, Balance, and Moen Ali. Does that look to you like a top six that's got a lot of runs in it? Not a lot of test experience there. I am excited about Robson and Balance and Ali, but they've got a grand total of one test cap between them. You know, it looks more than a little bit vulnerable to me, that. When you're comparing that to the really settled, uh, solid batting line that England have had for for years now, uh, it it does look slightly more precarious. And, you know, the experience of the last few years watching the likes of Bairstow, Root, kind of come into the side and and not necessarily flop, but at, at times look slightly ineffective yeah flatter to deceive yeah uh so you know in, in that sense yeah, it's not like when peterson came into the side for example you know, not to bring him can you believe that uh or or others where you know people were expecting unbelievable things immediately uh you know these these are players that have been around for a few years the name's been talked about and and now they're getting their chance but you know what's to say by the end of the summer that top order isn't a really settled kind of scary looking batting lineup, I don't know. Well, possibly. And um, to me, it looks like a top six with a lot of potential. Um, and as you say, the, the people that have come in, uh, Robson, Ali, Balance, they're, they're guys that over the last uh, couple of seasons of county cricket, people have been talking about that have been showing a lot of form. They've certainly earned their call-ups. But actually, I mean, you talk about people like Root and Bairstow. Who was the last English batsman to come into the England side and succeed? And I think you've got to say Jonathan Trott, which was five years ago. Lots of people have been tried since then. Lots of people have been tried at number six. And none of them have made that spot their own. And yeah, like you say, England's top six was so settled for such a long time. when It was Cook, Strauss, Trott, Peterson, Collingwood, Bell. To suddenly now have four guys in there, the two new caps plus Balance and Joe Root as well, with big question marks over them. That is a little bit concerning that's more than a little bit concerning i think and i remain very unconvinced about joe root 
you know, he, he somehow manages to escape the criticism that other players receive. I think A, because he's young, B, because he's got a lot of friends in the media, people like Jeffrey Boycott, Michael Vaughan have got a, a vested interest in him. Vaughan literally has a vested interest in him, or he did. He used to be uh, used to work for an agency that represented certain England players, including Joe Root. But actually, Root had a desperately poor time of it in those two Ashes series. He scored that 180 at Lords, but that was literally it. And he was dropped for the Sydney test because he scored no runs at all in the winter. But yet he kind of came out of it still seen as England's big hope for the future. And he could very well develop into a world-class test batsman. But there's nothing to suggest that he definitely will. Oh, um, what did it, was it Vaughan who said when he first came to decide that he was the perfect batsman, wasn't he? Uh, Gooch, I think. Or was it Gooch? Yeah. yeah. Well, he's clearly got I mean, a, an enormous yeah. amount of talent. He's got a huge amount of potential. But you know, maybe there are question marks over his temperament because he just he wasn't able to find a way to score runs against Australia. Yeah, I mean, but whatever he turns into, he certainly isn't it yet. Yeah, I guess the context of, of the batting lineup in which he's now going to be put into. Well, he's a senior player. Yeah, exactly. So you know, there is a fair amount of pressure on him. With him as a sort of fulcrum of that batting lineup, that that is alarming. That alarms me. And opposition bowling attacks are going to look at that English top six and they're going to think, right, we can get in amongst them here. And whether Sri Lanka have the boulders to do that remains to be seen. But yeah, there's, there's suddenly a real uh, fragility about the English batting lineup. I guess the one thing they, that they have got going for them in, in the batting department is the depth of the batting. You know, they've got Matt Pryor coming back in, but below him there's going to be Chris Jordan, Liam Plunkett, Stuart Broad. You know, that's about as strong an 8, 9, 10 as I can remember England putting out, you know, Liam Plunkett could very well bat in the sort of top six or seven. And that's encouraging because that's a stark contrast really on, on paper, isn't it? To, well, to certainly how the, the lower order performed in the winter uh, and, and for a little while, actually, isn't it? So I guess that's a positive. Yeah, that was, that was a massive area where Australia were better than England in the winter is that, you know, England, we talked about this endlessly, but that England kept getting Australia five down pretty cheaply. But then had it in the lower order would add another couple of hundred runs whereas Australia would get England five down pretty cheaply and then knock over the remaining batsmen for no runs at all I mean sometimes literally for no runs at all for like three runs and, um, and, and broad aside I mean the, 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 you'll be hard pushed to find uh, or probably a couple of players but at least a player in, with more confidence at the moment probably than Chris Jordan the talk of the town so yeah that, that's very encouraging absolutely and if, if, if he's at number nine and if Stuart Broad's at number ten I mean, Stuart Broad would have to go down as one of the best number 10s ever in Test history, I think. So that is one big area where this team looks better than the team that played in the winter, the team that played last summer, because that was a significant weakness in the Ashes. What about the bowling attack? What do you make of that? Are you, are you excited by the, the prospect of, of Jordan and Plunkett and Broad steaming in? M- much quicker looking bowling attack, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no, it is exciting. It is exciting. Definitely exciting to see Chris Jordan bowl in a Test match. Uh, interesting to see what Plunkett's got. And- Talking about broad, I'm not sure that he should have been selected, really. There are big... Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Doubts about his fitness. You know, I, I doubt he'll be bowling at full pace. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, it's a, it's a great-looking pace attack. And obviously, Jimmy Anderson is going to be uh, pretty effective at this time of year in England, you would imagine. But again, another thing that I keep banging on about, other than... Uh, aside from the Peterson thing, is uh, the, the lack of a frontline spinner in this squad is a definite issue, I think. We got an email from uh, a listener by the name of Benjamin Boss uh, who asks, can anyone provide a decent explanation for why the ECB have decided to not pick a frontline spinner or at least put one in the squad, bearing in mind the next test series is against India and the fact that Batty and Panazar have been ripping it up this season? Now, we did talk about this last week. I guess the explanation that the selectors would give is that they don't think that the spinner will that a spinner would be needed to do that much bowling in this series. They're obviously expecting it to be all about the seam bowlers. But then this time last year, Graham Swan took 10 wickets in a test match at Headingley against New Zealand. And this series is obviously a month later. It's in June rather than May. There's obviously going to be overs needed to be bowled by the spinners. It's hard to imagine that you'd go through a whole test match without, you know, with hardly any overs bowled by spinners. So I think more to the point is that they just don't think there's anyone good enough that could be selected, that they don't have faith in any of England's spin options. They don't want to go back to Simon Kerrigan. They don't want to go back to Monty Panazar for different reasons. And they look around and they're not seeing anyone that they consider to be test class. Benjamin mentions Gareth Batty. He has taken a lot of wickets this season, but he's failed at test level before. So I think this really underlining tone that, that Graham Swan is an enormous loss. This England squad missing Peterson, Trot and Swan. But I think Swan, by far the biggest of those losses... Now, has English cricket maybe got a, a Shane Warne-type problem on its hands here? Australia took a very long time to recover from the loss of Warne. Is the problem on that sort of scale for England? Well, yes and no. Hard to say Swan is or was as good as Warne, I think you'd say. But I think probably part of the problem for England with this is that, you know, Swan's not the only one to have gone, isn't it? So, you know, if it's, if it's Swan alone in a strong England team, kind of ally the last few years, then it probably would be less of a concern. Uh, although saying that the kind of the number of changes that are required and the number of or the amount of discussion about what the team will look like, you know, might have taken the heat off the spinning situation a bit. So there's an opportunity there for some players who who've now got a chance to to go and bowl well, take some wickets, slightly out of the spotlight. Because if it was just one leaving, everyone would be saying, you know, where's the next spinner going to come from? Well, actually, what they're saying is who's going to you know, who's going to get the runs? Why is oh, it KB? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, there's no spinner. Oh, that doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, but I don't know they're saying, saying it doesn't matter but I see what you're saying that if the team was otherwise at full strength or you know if there were no other selection debates in the team then the fact that Swan had retired would, would be the thing that everyone was talking about but actually it's gone a little bit under the radar so I suppose yeah it does take the pressure off some of those guys in counter cricket a little bit but I think even if England had been very successful over the winter if this was you know a really strong England team still no one else had uh, left the team and it was just Swan that had gone the size of the problem would be the same. Yeah, it's yeah. He's but like, basically impossible to replace. The comparison with the Australia situation, I guess, is that Warren left at a time when the team was still, you know, there were, there were still big players in that team, uh, and everyone knew that the player coming in would would have to would be compared against one. Uh, would be compared against Warren. Sorry. Whereas now, 
that yeah, like you say, Swan's kind of departure is slightly it's like kind of bottom of the list for whatever reason, maybe not correctly. Yeah, and uh, that's, what's that, weird about it's Swan definitely is not correctly. He's just how quickly he's kind of just got over cricket and is now just on every making every TV and punditry appearance he can. <laughs> Uh, well, he's on those uni bet ads, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Where him and Gavin Hastings are talking about tennis, <laughs> which is one of the weirder things. I, I love Graham Swan. I, you know, obviously, I love him as a, a player. Uh, and he seems like a really nice guy, but I'm not sure he's as funny as he or a lot of people seem to think he is. Uh, because, yeah, on the uni bet ads, he sort of tries to make a joke that isn't funny. And then Gavin Hastings tries to make a joke that isn't funny. And then Swan goes, Budum and like bursts out laughing like that's the funniest thing that's ever happened yeah i imagine it's 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 not that difficult to stand out as being quite funny in the england team <laughs> do you know what i mean because like well particularly the way some of them i'm sure they're i'm sure they're all very nice funny people but uh certainly the way they're kind of forced to act yeah stifles that a bit well it's, yeah it's hard to know isn't it because in public so if you're even yeah. slightly rebellious you're gonna get quite a good rep yeah you're gonna get reputation as the joker yeah the comedian yeah, it's difficult to know because, as you say, when they're talking to the media, they have to be so straight down the line. But it is hard to imagine Rooty and Belly and Cookie. It's hard to imagine it's like an episode of Mock the Week. <laughs> have you done a composite 11? A composite 11, I have, but I just wanted to briefly talk about Sri Lanka. Just briefly, okay. just briefly touch on the other team. Traditionally, I guess nobody expects too much from the Sri Lankans when they tour England. Very unfamiliar set of conditions for them but they don't have a terrible record here they won in 1998 uh, drew in 2006 last time out in 2011 they put up a, a pretty decent showing there's going to be a lot of confidence in this camp i think you know they've had a phenomenal 2014 so far in limited overs cricket it's all been in limited overs cricket but they won the asia cup they won the world 2020 and they beat england in this odi series just gone so it's a side with a lot of uh, a lot of winning behind it they haven't played a lot of test cricket recently, as I say, but they did get a draw in the UAE against Pakistan in their, their last outing six months ago. How do you assess Sri Lanka? Do you think you know this New England team should be wary of the Sri Lankan side? There could, e- there could have been easier tests. And obviously, like Sri Lanka won the one-day series. As you say, it's been a great year for them. They must be buzzing. The team still retains, you know, unlike the... The limited over stuff and, and T20, you know, where where some of the big names have decided to pack it in. You know that Jai Wardner, Sangakara are still there, so they've got potential to be quite a well balanced side going to this. Yeah, any side with with Jai Wardner and Sangakara in it, and by any side I mean Sri Lanka, because <laughs> that's who they play for. Um, you know that that's a very dangerous proposition. I mean, you've got to wonder whether their bowling attack is going to be capable of of dominating England because I don't know whether their seamers are test class, let alone world class. You know, we've talked about the weakness of England's top six, but are Pradeep, Velagedera, Prasad, are they equipped to exploit that weakness? I mean, possibly. There, there may be underrated bowlers. Velagedera gave Andrew Strauss a torrid time three years ago. But, you know, England are going to be asking for green tracks, Kermit green tracks, uh, to assist their fast bowlers. And out of all the sides in the world, that's probably most to the detriment of Sri Lanka, not because of their batsmen, although they won't enjoy that hugely, but just because I'm not sure that their bowlers are you know, going to be as capable of, of exploiting those conditions as other sides. So after the hostility of, of Johnson and Harris and Siddle in the winter, you know, I think England's batsmen should find this much less difficult. But, you know, as we've said, 
it's not the strongest top six that England put out. So you'd still say that Sri Lanka have a, a more than decent chance of taking 20 English wickets. Oh, yeah. And it should be, should be two good competitive matches, two results. Yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to it. For sure, yeah. I think I'm, no one should underestimate the Sri Lankan side. As you say, Sangakara and Jai Warden are there. They're batting purely as a result of those two still look strong. Plus, they've got some other fine batsmen there too. You know, they piled on the runs against Northamptonshire the other day without Sangakara or Jai Warden making a score. Tiramana and uh, Kaushal Silva both scored hundreds. And yeah, three years ago, Sri Lanka played three tests in England. They drew two of them and they only lost that series because of a bonkers hour in Cardiff where they got bowled out out of nowhere for about 80-odd. And that was against a much better England side than this one. So, yeah, they shouldn't be taken lightly at all. Their bowling attack might not be up to much, but England's batting lineup isn't up to all that much either. So if Sri Lanka bat first and do put 400 on the board or even 350 on the board, England's batsmen are going to be under a lot of pressure. And at, at that point, we will, I think, start to see exactly how much their confidence has been knocked by the winter just gone. Shall I give you a composite 11? I've been waiting for all night for it. Now, what I've done, Tane, is I've looked at England and Sri Lanka and I've selected one 11 out of those two sides. A composite 11, if you like. Uh, I've gone for openers of Cook and Tiramana. I've got Kumar Sangakara in at three. Jai Wardner at four. Ian Bell at number five. I've gone for Angelo Matthews in there as the all-rounder. Uh, Matt Pryor, I've given the gloves to. Then a pace bowling unit of Broad, Jordan and Anderson. And I've got Rangan Hirath as my spinner. Now, before you say anything... <laughs> Uh, obviously, Jordan on baby, so that's arguably <laughs> a bit ambitious. But I find Drunk it the Chris Jordan Kool Aid. <laughs> but I find it quite hard to pick any of the Sri Lankans. Maybe I should have gone for Velagedera instead of Jordan there. But uh, but yeah, and I've, I've I've given Pryor the gloves, even though he's had a torrid year <laughs> over percentage I wouldn't. Have. But if he's back to his best, he is the best. So possibly a little bit English bias. But there's only six England players in there, five Sri Lankans. And on the, um, oh yeah, on the basis of the, the two that you've just mentioned as well, could perhaps have gone either way. So, yeah, very well balanced. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, some of those England players in there, Cook, Pryor, Broad, Jordan, there's question marks over whether they're back to their best or whether they're fit or whether they can Any actually do it at test level. So, yeah, you could very easily see a few more Sri Lankans in that by, by the time it comes to my post-series composite eleven. Uh, but after all that then, Tone, can I get a prediction from you? Who's going to win this series? What's, what's the outcome of this series going to be? Now, whenever you ask me for a prediction, not only am I thinking of my own prediction, I'm thinking about what you're going to predict <laughs> and I'm going to try and beat you to it. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say one all. That is what I was going to predict. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I mean, coincidentally, that is probably what I think. Uh, yeah, I think you'd be a fool to predict 2-0 to England. Likewise, 2-0 Sri Lanka seems like a bit of a stretch, so... Hence why I've gone for one all. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think one all one all is what I would what I would predict. That is I was try, I was gonna launch into a lengthy sentence there about how I could see England winning one test and Sri Lanka winning one test, but I think one all just does the <laughs> job really. I don't want to predict the same as you, so I'm gonna go for one nil to England. Which is not really what I think, because I do <laughs> think Sri Lanka will get a win here. But, you know, maybe England will win a test and Sri Lanka will be dominating a test and then the rain will the rain will intervene. Yeah, good forecast of the week. But to be honest, who cares? We're all going to be watching the football anyway, so... Much like everything in my life that isn't the World Cup, this episode of the World Cricket Show is going to have to come to a halt because it's time for the World Cup. 
How excited are you now, Tone? Uh, yeah, oh, I can't wait. Thursday night, Friday all day. I mean, Friday's looking pretty good. Taking the day off work. I'll uh, nurse a slight Caprinia hangover in the morning. Uh, get up early. By early, I mean about 10 o'clock. I love how you have to plan that into your days. Well, yeah, it's foolish not to. <laughs> yeah, really. Plan to fail, fail to plan, Bayford. Uh, it's like it's like there's nothing you can do about it. Like it's the weather or something. It's like like it's the you know the economic climate. Just, <laughs> well, that I'm going to be hungover, so I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to build that into my plan for the day. Get up, ten thirty. I don't know. I can it's tell getting you. later. It's getting <laughs> okay. Ten, ten to ten thirty. Get up before the toss. Right. Watch the toss. Cook a bit of full English. Uh, watch all the cricket up to the build-up to the football uh, and then watch all the football. It's it quite a simple plan, really. Spain-Holland that night, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. Three that matches as well. That does sound like a lovely day, Tone, I've got to say. Get, yeah, trying to steal a bit of sunshine where I can during the lunch break, during tea. Pretty ideal, to be honest. I really wish I'd taken some time off during the World Cup. I wish I'd taken off the week when it's the World Cup and Wimbledon, or the, both weeks of Wimbledon, I think, during the World Cup, aren't they? There is actually too much sport. I might just have to quit my job. It'd be the easiest thing. Would that be an extreme measure, or <laughs> is that appropriate? We'll just quit and then you know, go crawling back after the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Not transparent at all. What are your predictions for the World Cup, though? We know that you're the prediction guru. You're the, the real kind of. You're very much the World Cup show's mystic Meg. Yeah. Um, what was the I love that Mystic called? Meg reference. Absolutely no one will remember that. <laughs> it's a very short-lived element of the National oh, Lottery programme from the early 90s. I wonder what she's up to now. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder what she's up to now. Uh, prediction, winner. Yeah, winner. Who's going to win? <sighs> I don't know. I think I might I think I think might go Spain and Messi top scorer. It's really annoying because I was going to predict Spain. But <laughs> <laughs> you literally always predict the same thing as me. Yeah. I think people are writing Spain off far too quickly. I was looking on the BBC article where they've got all their pundits to predict. They're all predicting either Brazil or Argentina. I can see why, but Spain is everyone's just assuming that Spain aren't as good anymore. And yeah, maybe people like Xavi aren't as good as they were four years ago, but they've basically got the same team plus Diego Costa. And, and they've won the last three major tournaments. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I I wouldn't like to see them win, but that's yeah, I, mean, I, I don't really want them to win only because they've won the last three major tournaments. I'm going for Iguain to be top scorer. 20 to 1, Tone. Mm. I should actually put some money on that. I don't normally bet, but you know, Argentina are going to provide for him, aren't they? Well, I think Messi, though, mate. Messi. Who? Lionel Messi. Lionel? <laughs> Lionel. I'm sure he doesn't pronounce his name Lionel. Lionel. Lionel? Lionel. Yeah, yeah. All right, Lionel. Lionel. This is my mate, Lionel. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, his odds are quite short, really. He's, he's the favourite to be top goal scorer. They've got such, well, a relatively comfortable group, Argentina, that you think they, you know, as a team, they're going to score seven or eight in the groups, at least. Uh, and you've got to back Messi to get a few of those. Uh, yeah, I agree. Iguain or Aguero, so it's hard to say, mm. isn't it? Mm. Benzema, probably someone I might have a little five run as yeah, well. Yeah, I don't think France will go deep enough, though. I think they'll get to the quarterfinals. They should definitely get to the quarterfinals, but I think that'll be it. I reckon Thomas Muller might not be a bad shout. Because no one's really talking about Germany either, but they've, they've got an no. unbelievable team. Rooney would be a bold bet. Yeah. That's good. Sturridge probably more likely. What about like Cahill or Jagielka? I wonder what else you can get. On. Gerard just whipping free kicks in. Ricky Lambert, 640 to one. <laughs> Interesting. 
If you get, you could get a, yeah, you could get a couple in the, in the groups. You've got to put a quid on got that. Got to be worth you? a fiver on that. What about England then, Tane? This yeah. time more than any other time? Mm, exciting. Positive. A bit like the cricket team in a way. You know, new blood. Kind of the golden generation's gone, but it's the kind of silver generation, isn't it now? But you've not actually told me how Oh, I don't know. No, I'm not going to call it. I'm not going to call it England. Because yeah. everyone, everyone just... Everyone, if you ask how England will do it, everyone's like, I think they'll get to the quarters. <laughs> That's that stock response. So I'm not gonna, I'm not in the business of doing that. Well, I think they'll get to the quarters, Tony. Oh, that's good. Uh, no, I do think they'll get out of the group. I'm, I'm excited about this, though, because, you know, even if we go out in the group stages, I mean, I may change my tune about this, but even if we go out in the group stages, I still think that it'll be better than last time and the time before, because these are going to be huge games. You think back to four years ago, USA, Algeria, Slovenia. We watched England v Algeria in a nightclub <laughs> and it was nil-nil. It was the most mediocre game of football I've ever seen. Just turgid. That was just desperate. Yeah, and, and I then agree. eventually like, we got was, hammered by Germany. But th- this time... It was pathetic. This time, you know, Italy is going to be a, a huge game. Uruguay is going to be a huge game. Like, at least we know there's going to be some massive games in this tournament. And yeah, I may change my tune when we go 4-0 down to Italy inside the first 20 minutes. I may wish that we had Algeria in our group. But yeah, I, I, I'm much more excited about England at this tournament than I have been for the, the last few. Yeah, I mean, the, the way we qualified from our group last time was pathetic, wasn't it? Yeah, one more game. What, for what? For what? To, well, to watch Gareth Barry yeah. get absolutely done for pace <laughs> against Germany. Oh, God. And that was probably the lowest moment of my life, I think. And you look as well at the team that start against Slovenia, you know, Upson, David James in goal. <laughs> you could stop at Upson, to be honest. <laughs> you know, Barry, Defo- I mean, yeah, you know, at the time, but Emil Heskey on the bench, you know, coming off the bench. I mean, just, what was that about? Don't say anything about Emil Heskey, Tone. I love Emil Heskey. One of my favourite ever players. You're very much an Emil Heskey type player when you play football uh, now. Come on, mate. In our seven-a-side team, you are doing the Heskey on, job mate. up the More pitch. Like Drogba. We're punting it upfield to you and you're holding the ball up. Pretty well, actually. Drogba. Viduka. Yeah, Viduka. You, you do also look like Mark Viduka. So. Viduka. <laughs> okay. That's good. That should be your Twitter handle. I'd forgotten how depressing the team that England put out against the USA was. Robert Green. Robert Green, yeah. Ledley King, who even at that time didn't train. Yeah. Lennon. Heskey up front. Sean Wright Phillips off the bench. Oh, God. Yeah. Garbage. That was ghastly. Yeah, this, this should be I mean, be it's better, much more it? exciting yeah. this time. Oh, well, well, you know. And probably by, by the time we record another podcast, time, we will have played Italy... But I promise we won't just talk about the football next week. We will talk about the first test as well and some other stuff. I brought some side notes with me tonight, but we didn't actually get around to that because we had too much football to talk about. Uh, But anyway, between now and the next show, if you enjoy what we do here, you can get more involved on the internet. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. We're closing in on 9,000 likes on Facebook. Can you believe it? It's very nice, isn't it? Follow us on Twitter as well, at Cricket Show. You can follow me, at Adam Bayfield 1-2. Follow me on Instagram as well. Everyone is. Yes, it's Adam Bayfield. <laughs> and follow Tony on Twitter, at Tony Cover T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R. Now, I'm, I'm locked in a battle with Twitter at the moment. Probably will end up in the, the Supreme Court or whatever. It's Strasbourg. Yeah, it's, gonna, you know, it's, getting, it's getting bitter. Uh, basically... I'm trying to get, I want to get at Tony Kerr because I feel like at Tony Kerr is, you know, stifling my social media expansion. It's holding you back. It's holding me back. Uh, so I need to, 
Yeah, I need to probably register the trademark, Tony Kerr. If I register my image rights in Guernsey. <laughs> you could do that. You're not a brand, though. Not yet. Because <laughs> you're aware, listeners probably won't be, that Guernsey is the, the leading place in image rights registering, if that's image rights. Or I wasn't aware of that, to me. Well, you know, they start this thing as another kind of money-making scheme. Right. Uh, so people, things, people can register their image rights in Guernsey. The list of people who've registered their image rights is quite funny. Hang on, I'll read it out to you. This is the image rights register, Guernsey. I'm surprised you haven't looked into this already because your, your image right is valuable, yeah. I imagine. I mean, yes, it is Adam Bayford. Uh, <laughs> some of the people so far that have registered their image rights include Manuel Pellegrini, uh, Buzz White, who's a fisherman in Guernsey. <laughs> Who? Buzz White. Who? Buzz White. Who? Uh, like a, a child called Bob Baker, who's like a pianist or something. And the first footballer to register their image rights was real today. Can you guess who it is? I don't, I don't know. Alan McGregor of Hull City. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I really need to get myself on that register, to be honest. That's the kind of company I should be keeping. Kind of intellectual. How is Guernsey the world's leading jurisdiction of image rights if they're the, the big names? Well, I think it's the only <laughs> jurisdiction that you can protect your image in. <laughs> it's very strange. Okay. Tiesto, the DJ as well. Oh, okay. And, and uh, what's his name? Afro Jack. Right, so you need to get in on that then. I really basically need to get on the register. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, then I'll be, I'll be away. Once you've done that, then you might be able to reclaim at Tony Kerr on Twitter. But until then, it's at Tony Kaver. Uh Yeah, send us an email as well, worldcreatorshow at gmail.com. Uh, write a review for us on iTunes if you've got a spare couple of minutes because uh, they are very useful to us, very helpful as uh, we try to attract new listeners. But yeah, I think that's it. Uh, enjoy the test this week. Enjoy the World Cup if you're into football. If you're not into football, I apologise for talking about football. It occurs to me that if you're not listening in the UK, which many people aren't, you won't have any idea who any of those pundits were at the start that I that I compared Tony to. But if you're still with us, tune in next week and we'll talk more about cricket. We'll have a lot of cricket to discuss next week. And a lot of football too, yeah. probably. But until then, that's all from me. That's all from Tony. Stay in school, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Cheery. I can smell your fear. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 